You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. This would be hour number two of The Rob Carson Show. I think the first hour was pretty spicy. Wouldn't you? Wrap things up by talking about the uh, parrot that needed to be rescued from my tree last night. I don't know what it is about animals that get lost. They always end up in my yard. They always do every when we lived in Maryland. All the lost dogs came to our neighborhood. We had a deer, uh, a baby deer, a little fawn, get lost, and I had to rescue the fawn. Turtles, deer, dogs, the whole deal. Uh, thus far in our our home here, uh, the dog at the end of the street, their dog like five times because they got a hold of the fence. And finally, the last time I said, "I'm gonna just uh, take the dog to the pound next time," and they can, you know, whatever. And then uh, and then the parrot yesterday, the parrot flew into the uh, backyard, and I tried to use seeds to get the parrot down. Then I used apple slices. Then I suggested dressing like a pirate because, you know, parrots like pirates. And then ultimately they rescued the the parrot. My wife, I'll just say this before we dive into the content. uh, They were throwing a tennis ball at the parrot to, you know, to disturb the parrot and get it to come down. And I said, I have a better idea, and I have something that actually has much better range. It's non-lethal, and we could easily get the parrot down. And I went and got my uh, M4 uh, assault, fully automatic, not a real gun, uh, um, airsoft gun. And uh, I was heading towards the house, and my wife said, don't you dare. I said, honey, it's non-lethal. I put it in semi-automatic. You want to hear it? Hold on. Let me get it. Tell me, tell me this wouldn't get a parrot down from a tree. Hold on one second here. Let me put it in fully auto. Hold on, hold on. I got it right here. Uh, here we go. This is semi. Okay? That's semi. Here's fully. Tell me that wouldn't get a parrot out of the tree. But, of course, the best intentions. You know, that's just the way it works. Let's go to Barbara in Baltimore. Hello, Barbara, and welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Oh, man, son. You know I had to go on. I have that beautiful picture that we took two years ago in May. Remember? I had um, to go online and take yes. a look at the yes. new and improved Rob Carson. So and? hopefully I won't have to come all the way to Kansas City to get another picture because <laughs> I've lost 36 pounds myself. So I You've lost? 36 pounds. I needed to lose weight, and I did. And I'm still going to lose another 20 pounds as well. You look fantastic. Barbara, um, I hate to tell you this, but you're a small person, all right? Because on me, when I lose 55 pounds, you know, you just kind of go, oh, you've lost weight. With you, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> so, well, Bob, looks can be deceiving. I am all right, not all right. small, okay? I all appreciate right. that. But you look fantastic. And I just I had appreciate to you it. call. I can't call I you back it. this week, but I wanted to tell you that. And I'm like, well, very good. Kansas City. Hey, Barbara, let me ask you this. Um, uh, well, first of all, let's mention, how'd you do the weight loss? I did it by quitting drinking. Then I just got rid of junk and just started, you know, getting rid of Cheetos and uh, frozen pizza and all that crap that I thought I could eat because I stopped drinking. What did you do? Well, well, I didn't just, like, stop drinking. I don't know what that, you know, you say stop drinking. Uh, I'm not an everyday drinker anyway. Gotcha, so gotcha. Occasionally, I will now have a beer or yeah, you can. wine spritzer, but not... You know, I'm not, uh, like, partying. Uh, it was basically the food increasing my yeah. uh, activity. I go to the gym. But, can I ask, uh, I you, this, can I ask you this, Barbara? 
because yeah. I was bored. I was bordering on uh, type two diabetes, which you know is not uncommon when you're fifty something and you're, you're overweight. That's right. uh, did, did you did you have any issues with that? And did your blood work get better? Are you feeling better since you did something? Yes, indeed. My doctor enrolled me, or she suggested that I enroll in the diabetes prevention program that they have here at Hopkins. And I think it's a lifesaver for me. My family history of diabetes is pretty strong. A lot of people with diabetes, young amputees and everything. And it does make a difference, and it has made a difference. Um, you know, just eating better and, and, I guess, mindful eating is what you're doing. You're, you're thinking about the things that you put in your mouth, and that's what I do. And I don't know, now that I'm looking better, you know, I don't want to mess it up. Absolutely. I got you. And by the way, I, I suggested that I post more pictures on my middle-aged OnlyFans page. And uh, Brian, my producer, said, no, your fan page would be called Only One Fan. So <laughs> thanks for the call, Barbara. Have a, have a glorious week. Thank you, my dear. Have a glorious day. <clears throat> Barbara is so cool. Barbara is so awesome. Now let's talk a little bit here, a little bit more, just a little bit more. A little bit more on uh, on the malfeasance and the illegality of the Biden administration, the abject corruption of uh, of the DOJ. I mean, honestly, this is injury. Former top FBI official in New York had been arrested for his ties to a Russian oligarch. That's kind of funny, right? Law enforcement officials told ABC yesterday, Charles McGonigal, whose uh, mother is a professor, <clears throat> I believe at uh, Hogwarts, uh, anyway, who was a special agent in charge of counterintelligence in the FBI's New York field office, is under arrest over his ties to Oleg Deripaska, a Russian billionaire who had been sanctioned by the United States and criminally charged last year with violating those sanctions. It's kind of weird because Hunter Biden got $3.4 million from the wife of a Russian oligarch who's the mayor of, of, uh, of uh, Moscow for Joe Biden not putting sanctions on him, or at least that is what is alleged, and the evidence would show it does point in that direction. McGonagall retired from the FBI in 2018, arrested Saturday after he arrived in JFK following a trip to Sri Lanka. The judge ordered him released on $500,000 personal recognizance bond, plus restrictions on his travel. Uh, he is charged with violating U.S. sanctions by trying to get Deripaska off the sanctions list. You know, like uh, they did with the mayor of, of Moscow. Yeah, McGonagall is one of the highest-ranking former FBI officials ever charged with a crime. Uh, McGonagall and uh, uh, Shostakov, who's another individual, uh, worked for the FBI investigating oligarchs, allegedly agreed in 2021 to investigate a rival Russian oligarch in return for payments from Deripaska, according to the Justice Department. McGonagall and Shostakov are accused of receiving payments through shell companies. What? Are these like LLCs? That really aren't companies? That's weird. And forging signatures to keep it a secret that Deripaska was paying them. That's almost like, well, I don't know what Hunter Biden's been doing. Both face money laundering charges. <clears throat> In addition to charges for violating sanctions, each of four counts carries a sentence, a maximum of 20 years in prison. FBI assistant director in charge of uh, Michael uh, Driscoll said Russian oligarchs like Oleg Deripaska perform global malign influence on behalf of the Kremlin and are associated with acts of bribery, extortion, and violence. 
That's kind of weird. He uh, apparently uh, this this uh, this uh, uh, McGonagall. Listen to this. He told his friends he was working for a rich Russian guy. This is the FBI agent. He said he said uh, the indictment and stressed his work was legal. In conversations about Deripaska, he would often. Listen, are you ready? You better sit down for this because it's pretty funny. You ready? You ready? Uh, he would refer uh, 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 to this uh, Russian oligarch as the big guy. They referred to him as the big guy. Oh, my God, this is just so fantastic. This is just so fantastic. So uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. unsealed a separate case uh, again, a Monday against McGonagall on charges he received $225,000 in cash uh, from uh, from this uh, this Russian oligarch. It is, isn't this funny? You know, listen, maybe the Bidens weren't behind all of this. Maybe they got their inspiration from the FBI. <laughs> Maybe, maybe the FBI said, no, 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 you're not doing this right. If you want to get money from a Russian oligarch, here is what you got to do. All right? You got to get them off the sanctions list, and then you just let the money <laughs> you let the money pour in. It's so funny. And then, <clears throat> listen to this. This is really funny. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Um, uh, Hunter Biden took $3.5 million from the ex-Moscow mayor's wife. Yeah, released by the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental, said that uh, uh, Rosemont Seneca and Hunter Biden got $3.5 million wire transfer from Elena Batarina in 2014 while her, his uh, father, Joe Biden, was the, the president. And apparently there were sanctions involved there. And uh, this mayor's money uh, was not sanctioned because, you know... Gave him a little something, something, apparently is what, is what he did. It is, I mean, this is just so beautiful. It's just so unbelievable that, that and then, then, then the, uh, they try to gaslight you for believing that, you know, <clears throat> for saying that uh, you think that Joe Biden is corrupt. You try to make you feel bad about it because he's such a family man and he's so awesome and all that. It's just, it's just beautiful. Here is, uh, this kind of interesting, here is KJP, just a couple of weeks ago, being asked about the Russian mayor's widow giving uh, Hunter Biden 3.5 million. Uh, uh, regarding Russia's sanctions, I'm wondering if you could uh, share the reason why President Biden hasn't sanctioned the Russian billionaires uh, Vladimir Yevtushenkov and Yelena Batarina. Um, how, how is he handling the conflict of interest they're giving his son? Was that just sounds like a Russian figure skating team, doesn't it? Business associated with these two people. And can you confirm that as sitting vice president, he dined with Batarina in Georgetown? I, I'm just not speaking to um, anything yeah, that's related to, to anything his son from here. That, if, you wanna you know, have, yeah, if you want to ask you know. questions about uh, Hunter Biden specifically, I would refer you to his family. And as it relates to any sanctions, I'm not speaking to individual uh, individual persons uh, that are from Russia. Meanwhile, you've got Jack Smith literally uh, digging through legalese, uh, legal precedent from the Civil War to find something to charge Donald Trump with. And this was the best they could do with the surreptitious raid of Mar-a-Lago. This is the best they could do. <laughs> it, is, it, is, uh, it is quite simply remarkable. Here is uh, Peter Schweizer on Newsmax last night. He's written a bunch of great books, and he's been a great guest on here. And he says he's actually kind of embarrassed for the media for not uh, uh, seeing the obvious here. And honestly, I don't know how any self-respecting journalist is going to pay attention to anything uh, that the Bidens say because of how many times they've been lied to. Yeah. It, it 
right? Yeah. It reminds me of these terrible situations of spousal abuse where the abused spouse just keeps going back. And It's the same way with the Democrat Party and Democrat voters. Same, same scenario. I've said it before. Making excuses uh, for the abuser. Uh, that's kind No, no, no. This time we will. We will take care of the schools and we'll get it all fixed and everything. Seriously. No, no, baby. Come on back. Come on back and vote for me in the next, next election cycle. Seriously. Where we are with the media, and I think that this telephone would be ultimately uh, the thing that shows to everybody not only that this was haphazard and there were these occasional phone calls, this was a systematic business operation that the Bidens were running to sell access, to sell influence. Uh, and by my calculation, they got $30 million from the Chinese. Yeah. On top of that, they got money from the Ukrainians, the Kazakhs, uh, the Russians, and others. It's, it's an astronomical number when you look at it in the larger context. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, uh, Donald Trump could go to jail for life for saying, hey, uh, I'd sure like the, you know, maybe we should just back up and uh, and look at the election through another lens here, just, just in case there may have been some issues with, I don't know, the vote tallies, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. How about just maybe just slow things down and uh, and check this out? And, uh, of course, that didn't happen. It is uh, it, it would be laughable if it weren't so serious, but uh, the uh, the media is in on it, and we just have to pay attention and realize that, you know, uh, we have a very corrupt DOJ. And by the way, the prosecutor working with Jack Smith, on top of the judge working at a law firm with Hunter Biden and donating uh, thousands of dollars to Barack Obama, the judge in the latest case in D.C. But Jack Smith, this prosecutor working with him, donated thousands to the Bidens, Cory Booker, and the DNC. So uh, there you go. That's Kangaroo Court Central. And uh, it's not going to win. It's not going to win because the real criminals in the White House. Let's take a break and come back. I want to talk about these Gold Star families and their, uh, and their testimony yesterday in California. This is the Rob Carson Show. So we got a gender confusion update uh, a little bit later in the show. It involves somebody who I've uh, met a few times, a great comedian and improvisational actor, Wayne Brady. He's a little confused, so we'll get to that. <laughs> he's uh, <clears throat> He says he's pansexual. I don't know what exactly pansexual is, but uh, whatever. We'll uh, <clears throat> get to that very shortly on the show. So um, yesterday, Gold Star family members of some of the uh, 13 U.S. service members killed during the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan nearly two years ago spoke at a public forum yesterday. In California, Representative uh, Daryl Issa was there, and he led this forum in Escondido City Hall at 11 o'clock local time. Uh, several uh, Gold Star moms and dads were there, and their testimony was breathtaking in its tone deafness and um, downright uh, evil response from the Biden administration. Not only to remove our troops from Afghanistan to close down Bagram Air Force Base, but to return the United States status versus the Taliban to September the 10th, 2001. That's what he did. He gave our enemies everything they could have possibly ever dreamed of, and he took all of the blood, the lives, the limbs, the eyes, the ears the ability to work of our soldiers, and he flushed them down the toilet. I really, I got to tell you, I think it's really sad when this man in the White House suggested last year that our service members 
and put online how our service members could get food stamps. Uh, when our soldiers come home wounded, whether that be mentally or physically, uh, I appreciate the work of great charitable organizations. I really do. Tunnels for Towers, thank God for you. But our government ought to be buying those damned houses. Our government ought to provide for those young men and women who are injured profoundly for life. Can you imagine living the rest of your damn life without arms or legs? And they haven't gotten a house? <laughs> They're not taken care of for life? Your service is over? Are you kidding me? No. And yesterday, I got to tell you, these stories, these stories and this move by Joe Biden should be grounds for at least one impeachment and removal from office. And I'm going to start it off with Cheryl Rex. And she talked yesterday about meeting her child's body at Andrews. And what Joe Biden said, and I don't know why Joe Biden would say this if he's mentally confused or he is just cruel. I don't know if he gets his jollies from it, if he gets a little thrill from it, or he's just so unbelievably demented and his brain is so far gone, he has no idea. But this is what he told this woman. When Joe Biden, our elected president, entered the room, when he approached me, his words to me were, my, w my wife Jill and I know how you feel. We lost our son as well and brought him home in a flag-draped coffin. My heart started beating faster and I started shaking knowing that their son died from cancer and they were able to be by his side. Also wondering how someone could honestly, sorry, be so heartless to say he knew how I felt a little over 24 hours and learning of my son's death. After this encounter, I have never had any personal correspondence, nor has my son been honored or his name spoken by this commander-in-chief or his administration. On what I feel is because of their failures and poor planning to exit our troops from Afghanistan. Yeah, and then she had this happen to her. Because after her son was murdered and Joe Biden said, oh, yeah, my son was killed and he came home from Afghanistan in a flag-draped coffin. That was a lie. Then she couldn't say anything about it on social media. Then she was censored. Dylan Terrest, witnessing thousands of people from across our country, offering their condolences and support. And again, nothing was brought forth from anyone in our current administration. The anger I held inside on how our 13 kids were not being recognized nationally was becoming prominent. Listen. How could so many pe people pay their respects, but nothing at all from the President of the United States on something he had conducted? My social media accounts started receiving little to no attention, and my huh. son's name seemed to be slowly not being recognized. Huh. I knew then that I was being targeted and shut down publicly by media outlets. Yeah. I could hardly search anything that had to do with Afghanistan when just a month ago our situation was everywhere. Yeah. How could a worldwide event quoted the largest evacuation in American history just disappear? Yeah, it's because the federal government, 73 agencies, were censoring everything that disagreed with the narrative.
the pullout from Afghanistan was the worst disaster in U.S. military history, and people should be very angry. And that's why people chant FJB at football games, by the way. That's why. Of course, that was shut down as well. Coming up, special guest Wendy Patrick. Don't go anywhere. Tuesday edition of the Rob Carson Show. On the Newsmax hotline, Wendy Patrick, prosecutor, radio host on KCBQ Radio, The Answer, Newsmax columnist, author, legal and political commentator. Did I get your entire resume there, Wendy? Yeah, I think we got all the important stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, w- welcome to the show. I- I'm I'm eager to pick your brain uh, because it is a very fertile brain, and you have a lot more uh, knowledge about me with all things legal. I want to talk about the uh, latest uh, Jack Smith indictment, the four count indictment that's going on right now, and uh, that yesterday Judge Cannon uh, asked questions like, "Why do you insist on uh, taking your grand jury to Washington D.C. and other and other districts?" And and I'd love to hear your take on it. I I know what I know, and and I believe the answer is fairly obvious but I'd like to hear your take on this latest legal attack. Yeah, well, the latest legal attack came from the, the judge in the documents case in Mar-a-Lago. And the, the question, as you correctly framed it, was, wait a minute, why are we convening, uh, why are you using a separate grand jury in D.C.? Um, that question could also be a right question for the D.C. case as it is, because if you have six unindicted co-conspirators in that case, you can imagine they're going to maybe look for some more evidence. Maybe they actually start naming these people, not that we don't know who they are. But I think it's curious that in both of the cases we're talking about, the most recent indictment by Jack Smith and then, of course, the documents case uh, down in Florida, that you do have two judges that are involved in the proceedings. I have to say, as a, you know, a career litigant, I think that's a wonderful idea is to actually have judges that are not rubber stamps that are going to ask all the tough questions. I would think that both sides would want judges that really show uh, the courage to want to get to the bottom of all of these issues. Because we've had now uh, at least this judge questioning, and then, of course, on the day that Hunter Biden was going to get his sweetheart deal, the judge asking serious questions, and, and the uh, Biden family, the Biden legal team with the hubris, that they thought they could get away with it, clearing him for everything under, under, you know, under one of the sections of this, uh, of this, uh, of this plea deal. Um, I think it's kind of remarkable, and i got to tell you, it, it makes me kind of almost begin to feel good a little about the legal system. (laughs) Uh, You know, what a great point you just made. So it's not just the judges that are presiding over the former president's cases. It's the judge in the Hunter Biden case that saw something that was inappropriate and stopped the proceedings. You know, it's not that she said, no, you can't, but not so fast. Go back, flesh this out, talk about what kind of immunity is even possible under these circumstances, if any, you can't immunize somebody against crimes they, that we don't know about yet or that they have yet to commit. But, yeah, it really goes to show that when you do have cases, especially cases in the spotlight, that you're going to you know, be very careful. Now, let me temper that statement with an asterisk. Uh, I've been a prosecutor for 30 years. I used to be a criminal defense attorney. Both sides want judges invested in every case, not just in the high-profile cases, not just in the cases involving famous defendants, but everybody, equal justice under the law. Lady justice is blind. Judges are not, but they should be in terms of of their decision-making. So, you know, whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, yeah, you know, the, we have to all be encouraged by the examples you and I both just came up with. That yeah. judges on both sides of the aisle uh, 
you know, having been appointed by a variety of different administrations, are willing to take a very close look at what's going on and ask all the necessary questions. We're talking to Wendy Patrick, uh, and I want to ask you this. David Rohde is a prosecutor who's working with Jack Smith on the Trump indictment. He's also a donor to Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, the DNC, the judge in charge in D.C. of the latest case, the Jan 6. She is uh, worked at a firm with Hunter Biden. She also is a donor to uh, Obama. Uh, you as a prosecutor, do you suppose you would be told to recuse yourself from the case if you were this tied into the Democrat Party politics? Well, you could be asked that it's up to you whether to recuse. That's a tough thing with judges recusing. Mm. Is I think there are some members of the public that just think, oh, the lawyers are going to make a motion to recuse. Okay, they can make as many motions as they like, but the test for recusal is whether the judge thinks that he or she can be fair. That's the test. And we've seen this test applied in the highest court of the land. Remember, some of the U.S. Supreme Court justices have been questioned on their spending time with donors that may or may not end up appearing in front of them. And, you know, when it comes to D.C. politics, especially if you've got a case that's in, in D.C., it is hard to say that these judges, when they were not on the bench, weren't somehow involved politically one way or another. It's almost hard to find someone with no preconceived notions or political affiliations. And if you do, I mean, there may be some that would question whether or not they have enough life experience to serve on the bench. So you kind of... Wendy, I got to tell you, when it, when it comes to a case like this, I think no judge and no, uh, no jury should be considered in Washington, D.C. That's just <laughs> it. Honestly, no, it's the, it's the heart of American uh, federal politics. It should not be a part of this. D.C. is invested in the federal government. Seven out of ten of the richest counties in America are in Washington, D.C. It should not. It should be its own island as far as a persecution of an ex-president is concerned. Well, let me give you another argument, a very different argument. Where this trial, the most recent indictment, is set to take place is a stone's throw from the Capitol. That is probably the strongest argument, not that D.C. is the heart of politics or that most of D.C. voted for Biden, but that this is so intertwined with January 6th that it makes it seem like it's a case about Trump's incitement of that riot. It's not a case about that. Those are not the charges. But that is so confusing to have this right there at the epicenter. That is probably going to be, I'm not saying I think it's going to be a winning argument, but that's, I think, the strongest argument. Because you take politics out Symbolic. of it, you take voting trends out of it. And what you have is people that can't be fair because they were too close to ground zero. That's the argument. Jack Smith tried this or something very similar on the uh, ex-governor of uh, Virginia, Bob McDonnell, and uh, was uh, defeated summarily by the Supreme Court nine to nothing. Uh, do you suppose that uh, this is a real possibility with regard to uh, Jack Smith and Donald Trump? I don't think that you can make the comparison. I think that you'd need some really solid ground to be able to recuse either Jack Smith or the judge or get, the, or get a change of venue motion out of D.C. I think the, the Trump lawyers are really going to have to think outside the box and then find some precedent, uh, some precedent to back it up. That's really the tough thing here, too, is there's not a lot of precedent for having a former president being indicted three or now I'm sure it's going to be four times when the next time you and I talk in a location that he lost and that is so close to the latest indictment. I mean, that is, it's almost hard to say that other cases can serve as guideposts because this is so unique.
Now, I uh, I have uh, done my level best as somebody who's done radio for as long as you practice law, uh, and I certainly do not have any legal expertise, but when I look at uh, the this latest case brought by Jack Smith, uh, it sounds like it is uh, based on Donald Trump believing that he the election was not stolen, that Joe Biden won, and uh, lying about it, which I say is absolute nonsense. I know that Donald Trump believes the 2020 election was not fair and i also know that about 80 million people feel the same way 70 percent of republicans so um uh, your thoughts on your thoughts on what this is about and what uh, what this argument by jack smith is with regard to donald trump talking about the 2020 election well jack smith's argument is not just about the criminalization of disinformation so donald trump may or may not believe what he believes but you you are correct in that jack smith not only has to prove corrupt intent which again is tough because the former president today says he won the election as do his supporters as you mentioned but it's more than that it's acting upon that belief in a fashion that crosses the line into criminal activity uh, fake electors trying to upend the certification process on january 6th these are the kinds of over acts that are charged along with that corrupt intent. But you bring up the most important part of this case is first you have to establish that corrupt intent. And that's really hard when it comes to Donald Trump, who's really doubled down on almost everything he says. There will be no point where he will come around and say, okay, maybe I lost. And you can say, well, circumstantial evidence can prove intent. In many cases, it can. But the question for the jury is, is this a case where there's enough intent it doesn't matter whether or not his trusted advisor said one thing. We all know Donald Trump to believe what he believes. And if he does, that might be a fatal flaw to one of the elements of what's charged. And I think that's why you hear so much talk about free speech. What they, what they mean to say, I think, I'm going to be gracious, is not that anybody believes you can criminalize free speech or that that's what this case is about, but that you necessarily have to prove the mental state that Jack Smith charged which is knowingly deceiving the public and then on top of that engaging in that activity designed to obstruct the election interfere with voting rights etc well this to me it is uh stalinistic in its uh, tactics uh, find me that show me the man i'll find i'll find the crime they did that with the fbi raid on mar-a-lago that's what they did that's why joe scarborough and yoko brzezinski or joe Zazinski, what the hell should name? anyway said that uh, oh there's nuclear secrets in there you know and then it all changed because they're fishing for a crime they're fishing for something jack smith had to twist legal jurisprudence going back to the civil war to find uh something because they're all about like joe Biden said last year, preventing Donald Trump from taking the office of president. There's no doubt about that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, the danger in doing what you just pointed out, which is true, one of the, one of the uh, charges is, a, is pretty antique, is when you, when you have unpredictability because you've charged something that is so infrequently charged, that sort of calls it all into question, doesn't it? I mean, there's no doubt that statutes are still on the books and we can use them as we see fit. But to use it in such an off-label fashion to loop in facts that perhaps that statute was never designed for or even anticipated being used for, well, then that lends itself to a political argument. And I know that the jury that will eventually be picked on this case, it's going to be difficult for them, although I'm sure they'll say they can in voir dire and they'll try. It's going to be difficult to separate the legal from the political, specifically because some of the points that you've made are going to resonate with some of them. All they need is one. 
because everything being brought by these indictments is all political and not legal. I'll just say that because I'm not a lawyer and I'm protected by the First Amendment. Thank you very much. What about the possibility? And let me ask you this. What about stopping this nonsense? What about calling out the uh, the DOJ and the FBI for their corruption as part of a an impeachment proceeding against uh, Joe Biden? What about what about bringing the FBI and their uh, attempt to cover up uh, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, etc., uh, and tying the FBI into an impeachment inquiry and getting the uh, DOJ to finally uh, knock this crap off? What, what, what are the possibilities there? What are the possibilities holding anybody in the DOJ or FBI accountable for the politics well, they're playing? Probably low, unless you have some pretty good evidence to support the very high suspicions that a lot of people have. And that's one of the reasons that you do see these inquiries. Now, the inquiries wouldn't help Donald Trump in his cases. They may on the, at the ballot box, but not in the courtroom, because it will be about the evidence. But it is true that there have been many that have been voicing those arguments for years now. Uh, and especially given the proximity and time between looking into something on Hunter Biden, then there's another indictment. And I guess the overarching question in that respect is why so long? Why wait so close to the election? Now, I can tell you they would argue that it took them a long time to amass the evidence. But sure. that's one of the issues that I think the American public is asking about as well, is why right now that both sides are gearing up for another presidential run? I uh, I just don't know. Let me let me ask you finally. Um, just because I'm curious, because your 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 legal expertise, and I, I've really enjoyed the conversation with you today. By the way, and I'd love to have you back on. Um, cocaine in the White House and the uh, and the Secret Service's investigation. What is your what is what does that say to you? What do, when you heard about this and you saw how easily this was dismissed, and they they did nothing. They didn't look at cell records like they did with January sixth defendants for being in Washington D.C. They weren't able to to figure this out. What are your thoughts on on that cocaine story just disappearing, just going away? Yeah, it just blew over, no pun intended, right, didn't it? I'll tell you what, what, what I think really um, surprised me the most is that it was a closed universe of people that it could have been because everybody that was there that could have deposited it in that little cubicle had to sign in. We knew their names. We knew who was there. Here's the problem is in order to say, well, we're going to get fingerprints or DNA or however else they may have tried to tie somebody to that bag, that's only the first step. Then you need a match. And if those are law-abiding citizens that have never been arrested, never been fingerprinted, there'd be no way to get a match. And sometimes something as practical as that prevents there being any kind of identification of the offender. And because they're just not letting anybody do that tour, they have to be sort of vouched for by people that already work there, that may have been the reason. And I'm I'm saying that very graciously because it's a reason we're often unable Mm -hmm. to get matches. Is because you're trying to match a known DNA to a sample of people that we don't have their DNA. And by the way, that's why a lot of people don't want to do 23andMe and these other genetics. I know, I know. Anybody getting their DNA out there? Yeah, I'm completely <laughs> screwed. I found my I found my biological family, and now the government can come after me. So, uh, oh. Wendy, Wendy Patrick, I thank you for joining me today. Um, where can people find you on social media? Uh, my Twitter handle is at WendyPatrickPhD, and my website is WendyPatrickPhD.com. Thank you so much for having me. All right, I'd love to have you on again. Have a glorious uh, rest of your week. This is The Rob Carson Show. Wendy Patrick was pretty fun. And she has credibility, which is kind of cool. And uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Check out the podcast today, Newsmax.com slash listen. I'm going to return to the uh, Afghanistan Gold Star families next hour. I think it would be kind of a non sequitur here 
to do that because uh, it is you know such a shift from what we just talked about. So I want to uh, uh, definitely uh, save that until after the top of the hour. There's some amazing things that I need to get to uh, and some audio from Gold Star Families. It's that important. It has to be said. Someone has to be held accountable for it, and we'll get to that. But in the meantime, let's do this, shall we? Gender confusion. What is my gender today? Hey, hey. Gender confusion. Hey, hey. So. I teach my elementary school students about gender identity. So the reason why the uh, LGBTQIA++, the plus is for anything you want to add on there so you feel like you're a victim. That's what it is. So you can be some sort of a member of a group. You the LGBTQIA plus 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 plus. Uh, there's no WM in there, which is white man. Uh, there is no cis. Uh, <laughs> there is that, you know. Uh, but that's what it is. And uh, and I don't know why Wayne Brady of all people decided to come out as pansexual. Because I guess if you're a pansexual now. I don't know, maybe they'll do a, a march for the pansexuals, uh, a parade for the pansexuals. I think it means you like to have sex in the kitchen. I, I could be wrong. And if that's the case, then I'm a frying pansexual. And my wife is a cookie sheet sexual, I'm thinking. Uh, my daughter, more of an air fryer. <clears throat> more of an air fryer. You know, because uh, taquitos are really good in the air fry. So Wayne Brady, who's the host of uh, Let's Make a Deal. I know it's like uh, uh, below Dancing with the Stars. Um, let's Make a Deal. 51, he detailed his journey into his sexual orientation, and his wife and others are offering support because, you know, that's what you do, even though, you know, whatever, you're married to Wayne Brady. Uh, anyway, he revealed he's attracted to anyone who identifies as gay, straight, bi, transsexual, or non-binary. Oh, that means you're what? You, 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 I, you, okay, you're attracted to anybody who's gay, so both sexes, or the same sex, straight, uh, the opposite sex, uh, bi, which is both, uh, transsexual, which is, you know, you have the old sausage cut off and put in a grinder, or non-binary, which is you're no sexual at all. This is stupid. I mean, you think he's a little bit, but anyway, he uh, he shared his, uh, he shared uh, daughter Malay, 20, um, and he was married to a woman, and uh, they got a divorce in 2008. He helps co-parent the, the baby with uh, his current partner, Jason Fordham, which I guess makes him gay unless that person's uh, whatever. Brady initially explained that he had considered that he was possibly bisexual, but expressed that he later began to identify as pansexual to him because pan means being able to be attracted to anyone who identifies as gay, straight, bi, transsexual, or non-bi. You know what this means? It means you're, uh, you're a horn dog. That's what it means. It means you're a horn dog. It means that anything that has two legs and genitalia, yeah, you're going to go for it. That's what it means, Wayne. Wayne, he said uh, that he's done all sorts of therapy, such as being treated for love addiction. It's love addiction, whatever. It's part of my journey. It's part of my journey. I had to start examining why I was looking for myself and happiness in a slew of people. Apparently, he slew a hell of a lot of them. Once I began to open the, open the door to myself, though, I had to start learning about myself, and I had to start owning up to things that maybe I'd either repressed, suppressed, or just didn't want to deal with. You know what, Wayne? Honestly, uh, man up. All right? Uh, this is nonsense. Let's take a break and come back. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Is the Rob Carson Show? It is the Rob Carson Show. Last hour of the show, we're going to get to more audio from Gold Star Families yesterday in Escondido City, California. Uh, Daryl Isa allowed them to speak because the federal government 
the 73 departments of the federal government that were actively involved in censoring free speech for the last few years, it's been proven, uh, one of the things that they told you you couldn't talk about was uh, the disaster that was the Afghanistan withdrawal. That was already uh, made very clear by a woman named Cheryl Rex, who lost her son in the uh, the chaotic withdrawal and the 13 uh, Marines and uh, and service people who were murdered by a terrorist, even though they could have been taken out. Okay, the terrorist had been had been given a, a shot. They knew who the guy was going to do the blowing up, and uh, they phoned it in. And the uh, the commander said, "No, don't do it." And they went ahead and blew up, killed thirteen Marines, injured hundreds of people, took out eyes, lost ears, lost the ability to speak, to see, to hear, uh, limbs gone, the whole deal. And they just kind of decided they'd make it go away. And you've never fought for this nonsense you knew it was crap from the get-go and it's really really and i said in the very beginning and i've been very involved in a lot of uh, charities over the last you know for 20 plus years since 9-11 whether that be uh fisher house which is this wonderful organization that builds homes near veterans hospitals where profound injuries are being treated so families can be near their soldiers it's an amazing organization. tunnel for towers uh friends in service of heroes which is a local organization i'm involved in they give service dogs to uh, uh soldiers who are coming back with profound mental or physical injuries they give away track re- wheelchairs they cost eighteen thousand dollars so that quad and uh and paraplegic um uh, veterans can can go fishing again it's amazing and I got to tell you if if a if a soldier comes back from a field of battle with profound life-changing lifelong injuries we need to take care of them if we can send 150 billion dollars to Ukraine if we can bail out banks left and right if we can literally blow a half a trillion dollars on COVID fraud then why in the hell can't we find the money to buy our service members who are injured homes, get them the training they need. I found out uh, Jack Heath in, in uh, New Hampshire at the, uh, the Pulse of New Hampshire, he has a wonderful charity that uh, gets troops, ex-military, uh, the training they need to move into a civilian situation. Because who wouldn't want disciplined employees who get there on time, who stay late, who are focused, who take direction? The problem is, and what Jack told me, is that when you transfer from military to civilian, a lot of the times you do a face plant. And I just think there's so much we can do. And I'll tell you what, I will never forgive Joe Biden. This is his original sin as far as I'm concerned. And then it just got worse. We could have had Bagram. We could have kept a contingent of troops there, uh, but we didn't. Instead, what we did is we took 20 years of effort and we flushed it down the toilet. And I will tell you that many people feel that their service was in vain. I do not, and you shouldn't feel that way. But someone has to be held accountable for this and what happened to these soldiers and their loss of lives. I want you to listen to Christy Shamblin. She lost a soldier, and she did a... An amazing job yesterday she's not a speaker she's not in Congress but she spoke in plain words that anybody can understand and I think that she speaks for people across the country who are not being heard whether they be gold star family members or whether they just be people who are struggling to get by they're not being heard 
and he and she talked yesterday. I'm going to play a few cuts from her because I think she is amazing. My name is Christy Shamblin, and I'm proud to be Nicole, Sergeant Nicole G's mom-in-law. Her mama, Becky Herrera, would be here today, but she unfortunately passed before Nicole. And I like to think that she was waiting for her in heaven. I'm not a speaker, and this is not my comfort zone, so please be patient with me. I'd like to thank Congressman Issa and you all for being here today. It's really important, and it means so very much to us. What's really amazing is that people will sign up for our military right now or ever, that they would commit so much to uh, such meager rewards financially to a, uh, a life that is, uh, is not easy, probably involves a lot of moving and pay that is substandard. But they do it anyway because they love the job. Christy Shamblin. As I thought about what I could say today, I thought of Nicole and the bright light that she brought to our lives. She was known for being a positive and encouraging person to so many people in her life. One of my favorite memories of Nicole includes the picture that was taken of her just days before her murder in Afghanistan. She's holding an infant and she posted with that, I love my job. She's in the middle of the most horrific conditions I've ever witnessed in my life. And she's proudly serving her country and loving her job, doing 100%. She held nothing back. Pardon me. Here, um, Christy talks about showing up to uh, do the dignified transfer, which is when soldiers' bodies arrived in flag great draped coffins. Joe Biden was there. You'll recall he looked down at his watch. He also told uh, Christina Ricks that uh, her, uh, his son came back from Afghanistan in a flag draped coffin. He lied to her. Here is uh, Christine Shamlin. As God has seen fit sometimes in my life, he put us together on the day he was notified. And we left the next day to Dover Air Force Base for what I now know is called a dignified transfer. I can't even begin to piece together the words that would convey to you the devastation that her murder has brought to our family. When your child is murdered, you feel like there is no justice and you question your very existence. Um, Cheryl Rex was the mother who said that Joe Biden told her that his son had come back from Afghanistan in a flag draped coffin. Which I can't imagine. Your your child has been dead for two days. And this jerk, who's never done anything but uh, enrich his family in 50 years in Washington, D.C. I won't call it service. That he would say that is just stunning. Here's Christine Shamlin talking about the insult of the Biden administration saying that the Afghan pullout was successful. When our leaders including the Secretary of Defense and our Commander-in-Chief, called this evacuation a success, as if there should be celebration. <laughs> it is like a knife in the heart for our families and for the people who came back and for every service member that served over this 20-year war. I live every single day knowing that these deaths were preventable. My daughter, could be with us today 
And that wasn't just one decision, it was many decisions. Many times over it could have been stopped. So to call it a success is uh, uh, an ultimate disrespect. This is, uh, this is Washington, D.C. This is what they think about you. You're flyover country, man. You're a means of production and taxation, and we use your young people as cannon fodder. I'm serious. That's, that's, that's the, uh, the bourgeois. It is. It has been for a very long time. Um, I had mentioned Cheryl Rex and how Joe Biden said that my son came back from Afghanistan in a flag draped coffin when he died of cancer. Um, the families of the fallen were told lies, given incomplete reports, incorrect reports, total disrespect, according to Cheryl Rex. I was told to my face he died on impact. That's not true. The only reason that I know this is because witnesses told me the truth. I was lied, uh, lied to and basically told to shut up. He lived for a while. He was giving out his ammo. He tied a tourniquet at, at around his leg. I don't understand the reasoning of that lie. It makes no sense other than the fact that they uh, did. The, they really even do an investigation did they talk to witnesses i don't know <laughs> i gotta tell you uh unbelievable darren hoover is the father of marine corps staff sergeant darren hoover who's 31 years old when he died on that day here he is talking to uh, those in power in washington dc in closing I'm calling out Secretary Blinken, Secretary Austin, General Milley, General McKenzie, Lieutenant Colonel Whited, who could not give the order to the snipers yep. to take out the bomber before he detonated his vest, and ultimately the president. Do what our son did. Be a grown-ass man. <laughs> Admit to your mistakes. Joe Biden would never do that. Learn from them so that this doesn't happen ever, ever again. You all need to resign immediately. Our sons and daughters have more integrity in their little toes than every one of them combined. Yep. You owe it to our families here today to the other gold and silver star families that have gone before and most of all to the veterans who have given so much for this country Amen. so that we have the freedoms that we enjoy today absolutely uh, I'm gonna wrap things up with um, with um, uh, this is uh, Alicia Lopez she lost a son and I'll just I'll wrap up with this because it mentions the names of those who law, who are lost, even though the government wants to forget them. I ask that our children are honored, those injured, and those that made it home from Hkaya. That they be honored by speaking the truth. Listen to these names. I won't interrupt this. Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover. Amen. Sergeant Nicole G. Sergeant Johanny Pachardo. Staff Sergeant Ryan Naus. 
Corporal Diggin Page, Corporal Humberto Sanchez, Corporal Hunter Lopez, Hospital Corpsman Maxin Soviet, Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui, Lance Corporal Dylan Marola, Lance Corporal Jared Schmidt, Lance Corporal David Espinoza, Lance Corporal Riley McCullum. There is a uh, righteous anger in the hearts of military veterans and Gold Star families that will not be put out, regardless of how many government agencies attempt to shut down the speech. And you will be, the government involved, the officials involved, will be held accountable uh, in this life and the next. That's all I'll say. If you'd like to share today's podcast with others, it's on Newsmax.com slash listen. We're going to put it up later if you want to hang on to this segment uh, or any of the segments we've done on the show. Uh, But I I just think this is incredibly important. And I just want you to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. Trust me on this. You, You are loved. You are supported. And the latest iteration of this government will not change that. Let's take a break and come back. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. You know, uh, I've been really enjoying the music of the Black Keys lately. This is not the Black Keys, by the way. This is, um, who is this? This is Jack uh, White's band. Anyway, he had a lot of bands. But uh, the Black Keys, if you you like um, blues kind of... uh, inspired like delta blues inspired uh, rockabilly kind of sounding they really switched uh they really switched i've been listening to a lot of the black keys and and gary clark jr holy cow a lot of gary clark jr uh yeah just uh, good good stuff good good music new bumper music i'm adding new bumper music all the time all of the music that is on the show i uh, i select and because uh, i think it's important music is really really important I think it's time for a uh, palate cleanser now. You're a little comedic palate cleanser. Let me tee this up. Public confidence in the U.S. military hit its lowest point in two decades, with only 60% of Americans saying they have a great deal of confidence in the armed forces. New survey. Now, I have absolute confidence in most of our fighting men and women. I just have a problem with the idiots in charge. That's pretty much it. And I think that's mostly it right now. The lowest has been since 1997, according to Gallup. And also one of the reasons is um, that the the commander-in-chief has no clue and uh, doesn't support his military. Uh, and you, you see the Afghanistan withdrawal or whatever. And then you see the woke military. The, remember the ads? Remember the ads for the military that came out like when Joe Biden first became president? It was this girl. She talked about her two moms and all of this. And you're like, and what the hell does that have to do with blowing stuff up and saving our country? How about what? 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 what really? Really? What about defending freedom? What, anything about that? But they tried that moronic stuff. And, and recruiting is way down. And now we know that not only is recruiting down, public confidence is down, and nobody wants their kids to sign up for the military for that reason. And Jim Gossett and I came up with this today. Fighting soldiers are depressed. Yes, they are. <clears throat> their morale is far from best. Where are you going with this, Jim? If you're sad, okay. Change your sex, they say. Oh, okay, I got it. Wear a dress and a pink beret. Oh, snap. the military is so woke. General Milley 
Billy is so silly. He's a joke. <clears throat> Who'd ever thought you'd see the day when fighting men could be trans or gay? Well, I mean, the, the transition. We must turn born a man this mess around. Now he's Rachel Levine. While sane people can still be found. Fire your missile. Missiles, they like to say. Cause the DOD has gone really gay. Pretty much. Trained to fight. Nothing wrong with that, though. On foreign lands. Drag Queen Story Hour. Trained in combat. I think we really need that on our military. Hand to hand. Just say it, it's, you know. Uniforms. Match their lipstick shade And their form-fitting Stiletto heels And the pink beret <laughs> 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 Oh, Jim. That is uh, Jim Gosson. If you, if you want to support him, that's nice. Man, that was... <laughs> It's really, and it was very offensive. Stop it. I know, very offensive. Isn't it wonderful to be offensive? Isn't it wonderful to be offended? Isn't it just awesome? I love it. I had this conversation the other night with somebody. I said, man, what a glorious country we live in that we can offend and be offended. That you can be offended is really awesome because would you want everybody to think the same way you do? Well, if you're a Democrat, you do because that's why you, uh, you know, censored free speech on the web. You want everybody to think the same thing or at least kowtow and uh, pretend like you do. We don't even care. Uh, and so uh, if it is offensive to you, great, great. I don't try to be offensive. Uh, I don't try to be offensive. Sometimes I am. And I, and I think it's awesome because you know what? Uh, offensive people uh, stir things up. They do. They stir things up. Oh, by the way, uh, Biden's America. Here's what Bidenomics has cut, uh, how, cut, how it's cut your paycheck. In case you want to know, Kamala Harris is now promoting Bidenomics. <laughs> Overall, the cost of living has risen 16% from inflation since Biden took office. You're high if you think it's only... F- Try 100% on most gross- grocery items. At least 50% on chicken. I know this because I've been buying it for three years. Tina Lowe Dosher in the Washington Examiner said uh, the numbers are even more egregious when you break them down by category on which the least privileged spend uh, a disproportionate, uh, disproportionate amount of their incomes. The consumer price index for food is up 19% since January. Again, you're high. And electricity prices are up 23%. Used car prices are up a staggering 33, 30%. Car repairs, 23%. And gasoline now is roaring back up 30 cents a gallon this summer alone. All right, there you go. Bidenomics. How you liking that? Or maybe you're just being, well, somebody's trying to fool you that it's good. Coming up, uh, Democrat cities are sinking under the weight of their own stupidity. That's on the other side of this, and this is The Rob Carson Show. (laughs) U.S. gas prices are soaring again. Posing another challenge to an inflation problem the Federal Reserve has battled over the past year and Joe Biden claimed is all under control thanks to his much-touted Bidenomics. Um, You know why gas prices are up? 
It's because uh, we made ourselves energy dependent on other countries. We're getting crappy crude oil from Venezuela, and we're selling our crude to China, or we have. And uh, we're getting uh, dependent on communist China for uh, solar uh, panels and windmill turbines and batteries for crappy electric cars. And uh, and that's uh, one of the reasons why the price is going up, because Democrats make no bones about it. When they see uh, this uh, uh, gas prices go up, they get thrilled because they think it's going to mean you're going to go, well, they're going to get an electric car. And uh, you, uh, of course, realize that's folly because electric cars, for all uh, uh, practical purposes, are worthless. I mean, if you're going to commute, if you're going to go to Whole Foods and get your tabbouleh and then go over and buy some of that, that uh, farm-raised trout for twenty-seven ninety-nine a pound at Whole Foods, then you can go to Whole Foods and you'll only have to charge there and back. That's all. But if you haul drywall or anything, uh, they're worthless and they always will be. And you know why I know this? Because uh, electric cars were around before gas cars. And it wasn't big oil that killed the electric car. You know what killed the electric car? The way it powers itself. There you go. That's why. Because you see, in a, in a gas car, you put the fuel in. The fuel is in a combustion engine. It burns the fuel, creates the energy necessary. With an electric car, you're not creating anything. All you're doing is plugging the car in and uh, filling up a battery, which is going to charge your, which is going to you know, uh, run the motor. And, and you will get some recharging of the battery when you use braking. Uh, but uh, when you're a totally electric car, that's really negated. If you had a hybrid, you'd be cool. I know this. I sold cars. And I have nothing against electric motors. They're wonderful. And if you wanted a, a car that get better gas mileage, get a hybrid. But I'm telling you, the, you know, that's why Joe Biden said uh, all of the federal vehicles in the federal force have to be electric. That was one of his first executive orders. And the only problem is there are no electric dump trucks or road graders or airplanes or ships or fishing boats or whatever. Uh, what you're driving, if you have an electric car, is a glorified golf cart. That's what you have. It gets you here and there, but that's about it. So there's that. Gas prices are up 30 cents a gallon. Uh, the average national, 389 It was $1.89 when, when Donald Trump was the president. Highest level since October 2022. Midwestern states, while in Washington state, uh, California prices have reached uh, $5.507. Michigan's average price, uh, 2023 Monday, 376 So yeah, you know. It's a little bit. The, the move uh, has revived predictions of $100 a barrel oil this year. And you recall, I mean, I'm a Gen Xer. I grew up with OPEC shutting down its production, so our prices would go up. And here we are again. And it's all absolutely created by Joe Biden and the bat guano crazy left, Jennifer Granholm, among others. It's uh, and it, it is folly, and it'll fall on its face, and uh, and it'll end up with a lot of batteries in landfills, and a lot of children enslaved in Africa digging up uh, cobalt. Is it Megan Rapino, or is it Rapino? It's Rapino, right? I don't want to offend anybody if I say her name wrong, because you know she's such a. Such a historical figure. Um, following Team USA's earliest ever World Cup elimination Sunday after a shootout loss to Sweden, U.S. women's soccer veteran Megan Rapino, who badly missed a penalty kick. I could have kicked better. She kicked over 
the goal, and it made no sense. I don't know soccer, but literally she kicked toward where the goalie was headed and then over the goal completely. It was like she did it on purpose. I mean, I'm not saying she did, but it looked like it. And then she laughed afterwards. A reporter asked Rapino if a memory stands out to her in regard to how she impacted Team USA over the years. And Rapino, who's made a name for herself during the game by espousing uh, left-wing social policies, said her biggest thing, not, not two world championships, but it was a fighting for for equal pay. She's like the normal Ray of kicking a ball around a field. But when you reflect on the impact you've made on this team, is there a memory that stands out to you right now in this moment? Oh, um, I mean, probably equal pay chance. And then the time that I, <laughs> I dyed my hair fuchsia for that game with Portugal. Um, after the final. Um, and I think you know, they were saying equal pay, but could have been saying a lot of things. I think this team is always... Well, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to have uh, equal ticket sales, equal viewership, equal merchandise. Spot for so much more. Saying, and, you know, uh, you got to kind of do that's that. That's been the most rewarding part for me, of course, playing in World Cups and winning championships. Oh, yeah, then there was the World cup thing. You know. ...and doing all that, but, um, you know, to know that we've used our really special talent to do something... You know, that's really, like, changed the world forever. Wow, does she have delusions of grandeur. Let's hear that again. That we've used our really special talent to do something, you know, that's really, like, changed the world forever. I think that means the most to me. And, you know, the players in this locker room here, um, they're just getting started. And, you know, to all the players that I've played with, obviously, um, you know, who know what it's like to be in the grind. Um, uh, just real quick, uh, soccer moms and dads. Who had a greater impact, Megan Rapino or Brandy Chastain? Yeah, yeah. So uh, here's what uh, some people said uh, online. Um, uh, it says here that, uh, no, well, this is what they said. No U.S. team had ever finished worse than third in a w- women's World Cup. Okay. Uh, this one, they're finishing about in 12th place. Uh, No U.S. team had ever scored fewer than 12 goals during a Women's World Cup tournament, and the 2023 team scored only four goals. Yeah, there's that. And then, of course, they uh, disrespected the country, and they uh, uh, promoted left-wing ideology, radical, LGBTQRSTUV nonsense. Megan Rapinoe also says now that she's leaving soccer, she's fine with men competing with women. So, yeah. Uh, here's what people said online. Yay, I was pulling for Sweden the whole time. Congratulations to a team that actually takes pride in and honors their country. As for the other team, couldn't be more well-deserved. Entitlement is not a path to take. This was fantastic, another commenter de- commentator declared. My day has been made. Mine, too. And I didn't even care about women's soccer this year. If it was, if it was Brandy Chastain coaching and the team said the, the, you know, the, they were proud of the country and, and teared up when the anthem played, oh, hell yeah. But, you know, screw you. That's what I have to say. If you're going to play for the country beyond the U.S. women's team, you know, I think you get it. Heartfelt congratulations to the U.S. women's national soccer team in a time of great polarity in the United States, or bipolarity, as the case may be. Uh, They managed to bring together almost the entire nation in cheering against them. It's a difficult task to get almost the entire country to agree on something. Well done, players. Uh, Feel-good story of the day. (laughs) Another (laughs) 
feel good story. That's why I played it yesterday at the beginning of the show. Uh, great news, the national team uh, spitting on us by ignoring our anthem is a disgrace. Don't play for the national team if you don't like the nation. There you go. That's a good idea, right? It's a pretty good idea. So bye-bye. Off to, uh, you know, whatever you're going to do with your life, you know. <sighs> this is pretty cool. I don't really know Neo, right? Neo, the uh, rap guy, he writes a lot of songs. He's written a lot of uh, material for very famous people. He's a talented individual. He's written for, I think, Whitney Houston, among other people. And uh, the other day, apparently, uh, he uh, questioned the practice of allowing children to decide what sex they identify as. And, uh, you know, because, honestly, if you're not questioning that, then you're, uh, you're just mentally ill. I'm just going to tell you. So musical artist and dancer, he's a dancer, Neo, recently questioned the practice of allowing. He says uh, Neo uh, asked when it, came, when it became a good idea to allow a child to make a life-changing decision. He can't drive a car uh, yet, but he can decide his sex, he said. In response to an Instagram post indicating that Neo had condemned parents for letting children transition genders, Neo fired back in the comments section. So he kind of apologized. He says, agreeing to disagree is not a declaration of war. Y'all do whatever the hell you want. Y'all want. Y'all, what, what, you you got to do two y'alls. You can't just go to a you. So y'all uh, do whatever y'all want to do. But my feelings on the matter are mine. Some way, uh, yours are yours. Meanwhile, I love everybody. Don't agree with some of y'all's ideals. But uh, love you know the less. Should be uh, love y'all the best. I'm going to write that down. Y apostrophe A-L-L. Uh, better education. Okay. He later Later issued a statement in which he uh, apologized to anyone he hurt, pledged to better educate himself on the issue. That's called kowtowing. It's a, it's a Maoist revolutionary um, something they do to uh, silence their enemies. After much reflection, I'd like to express my deepest apologies to anyone that I may have hurt with my comments on parenting and gender identity. Identity. I've always been an advocate for love and inclusive inclusivity in the LGBTQIA plus community, so I understand how my comments could have been interpreted as insensitive and offensive. Gender identity is nuanced, and I can honestly admit that I plan to better educate myself on the topic so I can approach future conversations with more empathy. Did AI write that? I think AI wrote that. That's so generic as a kowtowed apology to the left. I think an AI generated that. At the end of the day, oh, I hate that expression. So, you know, most hated expression in Rob Carson's, uh, it's not in my vernacular because I don't use it. At the end of the day, don't say that, okay? It's just, it's, and don't say nothing, burger. We, we buried that. But end of the day, shinabada. And if you're not from the South, don't use y'all, okay? So anyway, then on Monday, Neo shared a video in which he declared that he will never be okay with letting kids make a choice so detrimental to their own life. While he said that he plans to educate himself more on the issue, he noted that he doubts there is any book or opinion that will make him okay allowing a child to make such a decision. There you go. And there he's right. And you know what? I'm glad Neo decided to pull his head out of his rear end and not apologize to the little bullies, the little trans bully, LGBTQIA plus insane left that it does not represent, by the way, the gay, lesbian, bisexual community. It's just a bunch of leftists who've hijacked it.
And here is Neo not apologizing. And I would venture to say that every one of you who've ever uh, debated about whether your your feelings about children getting mutilated genital surgery and uh, and puberty blockers, if you've ever felt any doubt about feeling that way, don't. Because you've always been right. First and foremost, I do not apologize for having an opinion on this matter. I am a 43-year-old heterosexual man raising five... That means he's cisgendered. ...boys and two girls, okay? That's my reality. There now, if my opinion offended somebody, yeah, sure, I apologize for you being... No, nah, you don't need to apologize for offending people. ...and offended because that wasn't my intention. My intention is never to offend anybody. However, I'm entitled to feel how I feel. I'm yeah, that's a, there's a thing called the First Amendment that does that. See, you can say stuff like that, you see. Absolutely entitled to feel how I feel the same way you are entitled to feel how you feel. I ain't asked nobody to follow me. I ain't asked nobody to agree with me. I was asked a question, and I answered the damn question, okay? I have no beef with the LBGTQIA. It's LGBTQ, you, you trans-heterosexist-phobic plus community whatsoever i ain't got no beef with y'all do whatever the hell it is you want to do do what you want to do with your kids however somebody asked my opinion on this matter and this is how i feel i will never be okay with allowing a child to make a decision that detrimental to their life thank you and you know what you just did there you just use common sense there you go yeah, just use common sense Yes, and, and if you needed any, uh, this is a video that I've sat on for uh, a couple of weeks. This is uh, a woman named Helen Joyce who's a parental advocate. And when you talk about, you know, the parents can do what they want to do. The parents can decide if they want their child to, you know, their four-year-old can have his penis cut off and become a girl. And then wake up when he's 18 and go, what the hell did I do? You know, and listen, I, I wouldn't, if my son wanted to be a fireman at four, I wouldn't have sent him to the training academy. But I want you to listen to what she has to say. Something that you may not have thought of is that there's a lot of people who can't move on on this um, because that's the people who've transitioned their own children. So those people are going to be like, you know, the Japanese soldiers who were on Pacific Islands and didn't know the war was over. Yes, right. They've got to fight forever. This is why this is another reason why this is the worst, worst, worst social contagion that we'll ever have experienced. Thank you. A lot of people have done the worst thing that you could do, which is to harm their children irrevocably because of it. Yeah. The worst social contagion ever. That's what you witnessed. That's what I said at the beginning of it. And I told you, sooner or later, the reality is going to hit home. And some people are going to have to be held responsible for it. Let's take a break and come back. One more break on the other side of this. This is The Rob Carson Show. So um, we started a, a new update here on the show um, just recently. It's the strong woman update. And it's not, it's not at all meaning to uh, make fun of women because uh, I'm married to one and I, my mother was a woman and my daughter is a woman and I've uh, got a lot of powerful women in my life. So it's not meaning to make fun of women in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but it is uh, meant to point out really super-duper strong women, including one who is 2,000-year-old uh, this time. So anyway, apparently they uh, did some digging over in uh, wherever, Europe, I guess, in uh, historical England. 
They unveiled a 2,000-year-old Iron Age burial site on the Isle of Sicily. Kill the strong woman theme song. Uh, on the Isle of uh, Sicily. And they believe that uh, this body may have belonged to a powerful warrior woman. I got to tell you, though, when you hear why they think it's a woman, uh, pretty darn sexist. Just going to tell you right now. Pretty sexist. So since the discovery in 1999, archaeologists have mulled back and forth over the sex of the individual that possessed, are you ready? Both a sword and a mirror. Uh, new evidence suggests this woman may have been a leading figure, perhaps among many other hidden female warriors during the Iron Age. During the excavation 24 years ago, archaeologists found a copper ally sword and shield, uh, both items commonly associated with males. But there was a bronze mirror adorned <laughs> with what appears to be a sun a disc motif who laid alongside it, which experts uh, said would uh, typically indicate that the remains belonged to a woman. Apparently, the woman was killed in a chariot accident when she uh, was uh, putting on makeup while driving. It, okay, it's, a, it's a joke. Uh, it's an easy, it, the fruit is right there. I had to pick it. It's just, there you go. So uh, they immediately thought that, uh, you know, she got a mirror and a sword. Got to be a girl. Well, I, maybe, maybe it was a warrior born a man who is transitioning. You know, you might want to look for a cucumber wrapped in aluminum foil, like in uh, Spinal Tap when they went through security. Maybe that was there. Uh, the, anyway, so as part of the latest research, uh, scientists instead have analyzed a, a protein from tiny pieces of tooth enamel. So the uh, mirror was not definitely the, uh, the end all with regard to uh, discovering if this uh, woman... This warrior is actually a woman. Uh, that's kind of sexist. But they say tooth enamel is the hardest and most durable substance on the human body. Unless you consider the skull of me, uh, it contains a protein which links to either X or Y chromosome, which means it can be used to determine sex. So there you go. to storm the castle and everything, but how's my hair look? But of course, uh, a mirror associated with uh, the body is not apparently uh, reason enough to... Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that there aren't a bunch of feminist organizations outraged. Oh, you think that a soldier with a mirror is automatically a woman, right? Okay, whatever. Uh, let's take a break. <laughs> Come back and wrap things up. This is the Rob Carson Show. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show. Have a glorious day. Check out the podcast, Newsmax.com slash listen. This, was, uh, this is a good one for sure. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. And until then, don't catch the stupid. See you.